Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. You have to make these times of chapel the times of breakthrough. You have got to do what I just instructed us to do as a group. You have got to do it in your heart. No matter if a worship leader does it, if nobody else does it, you have got to do it. You have got to decide that this is your time of breakthrough. And I really have that illustration in my heart that so often we we look at what we're doing, such like a great sacrifice. We count all the things we can't do anymore because we're in the ministry instead of holding it up to God, saying, God, this is what I'm doing for you, and it's all worth it. I look at people right now that we have in our church that are coming to us as as young adults my age, and uh, they did everything that I felt that I had to give up as a sacrifice. You know, they went to colleges that uh, took spring break parties, and they, you know, didn't work that hard. And, you know, at the age of 22, I was planting a church within my house, living in the inner city. And so often, you know, I would feel like, well, that's such a big cost, you know, such a big price to pay that, that I have to give up this youthful life, you know, and I have to live like an adult with more responsibility than most adults have, you know. I was bringing in 30 homeless people into my house, uh, homeless drug addicts, and instructing them and how to live holy and keeping them accountable and being in charge of their food. Adolfo, I need you to move more to the center, please. And excuse me, I would feel at times, man, I, you know, I skipped my, my youthful days. You know, I went from drugs, you know, uh, and then being saved at 18 to going right to radical Christianity. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to, to go visit the beach. And I don't know what it's like to take family vacations and go to the prom or, 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 or take it easy in school. Because the moment I got saved and I went to school, automatically everything I did now reflected God. You know, everything I did. If, so if I didn't get good grades, I wasn't reflecting God. And like I said, when I started in ministry, I was so radical, I felt that if I didn't give God everything, then it really wasn't, you know, worth being in the ministry. So you had to give him everything. And I didn't even know the principle then of a day off. And we would work seven days a week. And I remember one time I did a 10-day fast, and we didn't see what we wanted to have come out of it. And then right when we broke it that day, that next week, we started another 10-day fast. And so much of that religious zeal wasn't done from the right heart uh, because God wasn't wanting me to do all of that suffering. But at the same time, it was done from the the place of passion. And so often we don't know what passion looks like anymore. You wait for me to tell you to do something as a cohort director. We need you to have passion in your heart. And like I've always said, I'd rather you have wildfire than no fire. I'd rather have to tell you, well, you do need to take a day off than to be questioning you. Are you even working and doing your homework because you're failing classes? I would rather have to say maybe you shouldn't try to go do extra ministry on the side than to have you show up late and not do the practicums you're assigned. Are you listening to me? So there has to be that balance where you're doing what God said and all of those sacrifices you're holding up to him and you're saying, I'm doing this for you and then you're content with that in your heart and you don't feel condemnation and that you know you're doing all that God asked you to do. Amen? Well, today's lesson, Proverbs chapter 3, is the, the key to wealth and success in life. The key to wealth and success in life. And I have never preached so many blessing prosperity messages in my life, but I'm doing it on command of the Lord. So just like I would come to you and I would preach a message called to hell with religion, as I did in the Zechariah study, you need to trust me that I'm hearing from God in this time. And I want to teach you how to acquire wealth and success in life and in ministry. 
Now, today's passage comes out of Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to qualify it just so we don't have any super spiritual airheads here that think you're so spiritual, your head is empty and your heart is empty, and you think that you know more. I want to tell you something right now. There is nothing you can do in ministry without wealth and success. You need those two things. Everything you will do in ministry will be one of those two things, and they're usually always tied together. You will need wealth and success to become a preacher. You will need wealth and success to have a home and a ministry. You will need wealth and success to be married and to have a a happy marriage. Now, I'm not defining wealth as the world defines wealth, though I'm glad that there's wealthy people, according to the world, that are Christians. But I'm defining wealth as this, more than enough to meet your needs and the needs of people around you. So wealth is to have your needs met and have more than enough to help those around you. That means when there's a call to missions, you can save up your shekels and not lose your apartment and go on that mission trip. That means when there's a call to feed a homeless person in the church or to give them an opportunity to to get a car or a bike, you can pitch in and say, here's towards your bike, here's towards your car, here's a job. So you have what you need and you have more than enough to give to others. And success is to prosper in all that you do or to be blessed and they're all interchangeable prosper succeed and blessing are all the same in the bible when you're blessed you're empowered to succeed the word succeed means to prosper when you're prosper you are blessed when you are blessed you will succeed and prosper are you listening to me and if you have success you're blessed and you will prosper so they're interchangeable so i want to teach you today As I am going through the season of my life of wealth and success, I want to teach you how to have wealth and success. Because if you're living holy and you have no sin in your life and you have a great anointing upon you, but you can't afford a bus ticket to the people's house you're preaching to, you will be a one-person church. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to have some wealth come into your hands. And if the real super spiritual airhead says, well, I will just believe God and somebody will give it to me. Somebody just tap your neighbor on the head and say, think about him. If they're giving it to you, then how did they get it? That means they had to have wealth and success. So stop looking for your your name to be Jimmy and you'll take all you can give me. You need to get to the point where you realize where is the source of wealth? Where does it come from? So that I can always have a source of it. Where does success come from? So that I can always be blessed and prosper. Now Sunday's message, and I know you were all there, but I'll uh, give it to those listening by webcast was based on Psalms chapter 1. Blessed or empowered to succeed is the man who does not listen to the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of the mocker. His delight is upon the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield his fruit in season. His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. So we learned in Psalms 1 that prosperity in the natural first comes from prosperity in the spirit that you have to be blessed and leave the way of sin the counsel of sin and the seed of the mocker and the mocker is those who hate knowledge so we're telling you to do something but you say but we say you need to do your homework and get your good grades but pastor you don't know how busy i am and i said to the sunday congregation now i say to you you need to get your big old butt out the way whatever god said you need to do to be blessed you need to do and stop saying but amen 
So today's message comes from Proverbs chapter 3, and this is exactly the concept of Proverbs chapter 3, is wealth and success. Now, if you want to dub me as a name and claimant person or a faith prosperity preacher, you can call me whatever you want. But what you're not going to call me is sick, poor, busted, and disgusted in Jesus' name. Amen? So I'll take whatever criticism I get for preaching these messages because I'll still preach hell is hot. Amen? And heaven's not. But I've got to get you ready because if you don't have wealth and success, you can't inherit what God has for you. And just as a side note, as we've preached on Sunday, but also for reference to those listening, God said to his people Israel in Deuteronomy, don't think to yourself when you get to the promised land, it's your own hands and effort that give you the the milk and honey. It's me who gives you the power to gain wealth so that my covenant may be established with you. It is God who gives us the power to have wealth and success, and the reason why we have it is so his covenant may be established upon this earth. This is all the introduction, by the way. You see, when we go to India, we have to have wealth and success to build them up so they can have wealth and success so that they can build up others. That's the key of how it works. Are you listening to me? Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 1 to 20 today. I'm going to read all 20 verses, and then, Lord willing, I'm going to go verse by verse. And I will do that, not by magic or a trick, but by God's grace in the next 23 minutes. Amen. You don't believe I can do it. If you believe I can do it, say amen. Amen. My son, do not forget my teachings, my teaching, but keep my command in your heart. Let me start this over again. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who laid hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. Somebody say amen. If I was to sum up this passage as I need to in this uh, uh In chapel, I sum it up in those two words, wealth and success, wealth and blessing, blessing and wealth. This is what this passage is talking about, and I'm going to give you the center of what it is. It is the wisdom and understanding of God. 
learning to be rebuked when he rebukes you and change your path to take his discipline, but living in the wisdom and understanding of God, and you will be blessed and you will succeed. Amen? Let's start in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but my... Uh, do, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. If you want to have wealth and if you want to have success in life, you need to keep the teachings and the commands of God. Everything is about what God has said. How did God say to run a ministry? How did God say to have your family run? How did God say to do your schoolwork? He said, do everything as unto the Lord. So there should be no excuse in being lazy and studying because you're doing all things as unto the Lord. When you're doing your practicums, you should do them with all of your heart because you're doing them as unto the Lord. That's a command. The Bible said, Paul spoke to the people, pray without ceasing. So what should you do? Pray without ceasing. These are commands. The teachings of the Lord are the teachings like found in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are the things you can never forget. You also need to remember the commands of moral purity, not to be sexual immoral, not to even have a scent, uh, a hint of sexual immorality, not it not even be named among you, to flee the youthful evil desires of your youth, to flee pride and selfish ambition. The first thing that we learned today, and just go by one verse at a time, and I'll give you one lesson at a time. And it will all come back down to just wisdom and accepting God's correction and living right. Here it is. Lesson number one is do not forget God's teachings and commands. Live by the commands and the teachings of Jesus. Number two. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Lesson number two is prosperity and a long life is not by accident, but intentional. If you want to have prosperity in your life, success, if you want to succeed in ministry, keep his commands. What will be the first thing that will bring downfall to your ministry? Sin. Look how fast people lose their ministry when they sin. Those who sin and keep going on in ministry are just a puff of smoke. They will be gone in God's kingdom. In a moment, their good works will be forgotten. Okay? So if you see somebody sin and their ministry keeps going, then you know it's just a mirage. It's only here in the works of man, but it's not a work of God. And when they stand before the Lord, they'll say, Lord, I cast out demons. I fed the poor. I even gave my body to be burnt. And Jesus will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And all of their works will fade away and be burned up in rubble, as the Bible says. So lesson number one is do not forget the Lord's teachings and command. Number two is long life and prosperity are not an accident. They're intentional. Number three, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Make love and faith what it's all about. The Bible says these three remain, hope, faith, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And we know hope is very similar to faith. So just say faith and love. That's what you need. You need to keep your faith in God. Trust that he has the best interest for you. And the Bible says perfect love drives out all fear. Because what's the opposite of faith? If you're thinking right now about a situation and you don't have faith, what's the next emotion or feeling you have? 
Fear, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the rent for this building? How am I going to get my children to a good school? How am I going to find a place to live in ministry? How am I going to build this church? If you don't have faith, you have fear. But what drives out fear is perfect love. So have faith and have love. And then faith without love is dead. You need to have a love for God that you keep his commands and you do what he asks you to do. And that that love comes from a passion and a pure heart to worship him. If you bind that on your heart, if you remember that, you'll be prosperous wherever you go. You'll succeed. You're keeping the Lord's commandments. You're keeping his teachings. You're knowing that this is not an accident, that you won't succeed by accident. And that love and faithfulness will guide you. Number four, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Good favor, or excuse me, favor comes from God and man. God and man. Favor comes from God and man when you have a good name. Listen to that. Favor, blessing comes from God and man when you have a good name. We were favored with $100 to help our contest for youth to bring uh, their visitors. Why? Because I have a good name. This building has been one miracle after another with Ephraim helping us do the technical work to people giving us things and you doing the labor here. Why? Because I have a good name and God not only blesses me, but men bless me. If you want to have men bless your ministry and favor you, you need to have a good name. That means you need to be above rep- approach that's the next thing perfect to jesus because jesus could say to the people not one of you can convict me of sin that you have seen me do now i couldn't say that because my wife could stand up first and say i can convict you of a sin you've done but i can get one step closer to jesus than to be perfect like him and i can say i'm above reproach that means any sin that i've committed i've already asked for forgiveness and i walk above reproach that means you can't bring it back up and say he didn't say he was sorry and there's nothing that has disqualified me from the leadership of ministry as said an elder or deacon in 15 years could somebody say hallelujah so that's what you want to have the bible says love and faithfulness will give to you a good name and favor comes from a good name not just from god but also from men then one of the first verses that i learned which i love so much verse number five trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding the next life lesson here number six is don't trust yourself don't think about what you can do best for yourself you don't know how to do anything for yourself except make a mess of yourself if you try to put yourself first in your marriage lean on your own wisdom in your family you'll destroy your family if you try to do ministry your way you will destroy your ministry there's nothing wrong with creative thinking there's nothing wrong with using the brain you have i didn't have to ask god what pair of pants i should wear this morning he let me make that choice But I'm telling you, everything I do in life always needs to come back to what is God's perfect will? What is God's plan? And is it his plan that I wear pants today? Yes, it is his plan that I wear pants today, okay? So he does give us the ability to use our own mind because we're made in the image of God. But the principle is that everything we do is through him. I want you to think about water flowing through a faucet, Josh. When it comes through that faucet, it passes through a filter. Every bit of water goes through that filter. Are you listening? to me. Everything you do needs to come through the filter of what does God think. It's not about what I think. I would have stayed in my own building with 17000 in savings, but God said, move here. Lean not on your own understanding or trust in your own ways. Verse 6 then gives you uh, the next lesson. So verse 5 was lesson 5, I'm sorry. And verse 6 is lesson 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Put God first. 
in all you do. Lesson five, don't lean on your own ways. Lesson number six, do it God's way. If you put God first and say, God, I'm leaning on you. God, how do you want me to do this? That's why I'm preaching to you messages of, bless, messages of blessing. God said, we went to this building front. All I want you to do is preach messages of blessing. I said, what about SUM Chapel? Bless the SUM students. What about the people watching via webcast that want me to preach on hell, the devil, and the four horsemen? Preach on blessing because it applies to every part of ministry. And so today, that's my season. Why? Because I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm doing what God's just as he told me during that time of fasting with SUM to preach on the book of Zechariah, we went verse by verse and learned so many awesome things. I'm teaching you about blessings. Number six, don't lean on your ways, but lean on his ways. Now look at this, verse number seven. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Today, lesson number seven is fear the Lord and shun evil. If you fear the Lord, you won't do it your way. If you fear your parents, you won't try to clean the house your way because you know you'll have to do it all over again. If you fear your husband or your wife, you won't try to have a marriage your way. You'll do it the way you all agreed upon before you got married and the things that you value. I don't try to force feed my wife a love language. I learn her love language and I do it because I fear that if I don't take care of her the way she needs to be taken care of somebody else will. I know today that people don't like the word fear, shame or guilt and we think it's all wrong because there's no condemnation in the Lord but this is not the type of fear we're talking about we're talking about a fear that is a reverence and a fear that says I would be terrified to do things other than God's way I've heard people tell me well I'm going to go take a ministry at this so and so church and I'm going to live over here and they've done it not because it's God's way but because in their own understanding they get a 401k they get a parsonage and a car to drive and what they don't do is fear the Lord because they've taken their own calling and put it into their own hands what if the Lord says on judgment day you went somewhere and wasted your seed I wanted you to go to Nigeria and preach in the jungle to these people who have never heard now because of you the blood of their lost soul is on your hands because you had to have an insurance policy to your job package. You see, if you do not fear the Lord, you'll take life into your own hands. And then what comes after that is evil. But the lesson here is don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Hate what God hates. Love what he loves. Lesson number eight, this will bring health to your bone and nourishment, uh, health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Living God's way makes you healthy and whole. If you use self-control in your diet, you'll be healthy and whole. If you use self-control in his principles in your marriage, you will have health in your body. If children live right, they will have a long life upon this earth. God says that it will literally bring health. And how do we know this? Because stress is the cause of so many sicknesses and diseases, overeating, obesity, lack of exercise. All of these things bring to us a sickness. And God says, if you follow my commands, you practice my self-control, you listen to my rebukes. You live the life I tell you to live. You won't have stress. You won't have sickness. You won't have these things that come upon you. Now, I'm not saying that every sickness is of the devil. I'm not saying that every, or rather, every sickness is of your own fault because some of it comes from the devil and the fall. But the Bible guarantees that right now you're healthy. You want to stay healthy. You want your bones to stay healthy. You want your body to stay healthy. Live life God's way. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now look at verse 9. Here's where we get to some of the wealth here. That was all about success, by the way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Well, the first thing, if you're going to honor the Lord with your wealth, you have to have what? Wealth. If I say honor the Lord with your pen, you have to first have a pen. If I say honor the Lord with your house, you have to have a house. So it's a given that the people of God will have wealth. That we will have not only what meets our needs, but the needs of others. Having more than enough. And when times of lack come, we don't say, well, God uh, just planned for me to be poor. We fight against it. We pray through it. And we ask God to bless us. Because anytime I see somebody poor in the Bible, as Paul, when he didn't have anything, he didn't say, I don't have anything, and I'm just going to stay broke, busted, and disgusted. He started asking people for their wealth so that he could help those in need. Are you listening to me? So even when people use Paul as an example, well, he didn't have a lot of wealth. Well, that's right, and that's why he asked the Galatians and the Philippian church and the other churches in the Corinthian church to help out the other churches because he didn't have any himself to give. He was always planning on somebody in the church having it because he hated poverty and what it caused. It caused him to have lack. And when he didn't have lack, he couldn't help people. So number nine, what do you do? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord. Now, how do we honor the Lord? We believe that's in tithes and offerings. You give to the Lord your first fruits. You give to him the 10% that belongs to him off your gross. And then an offering you give as a seed to him. A a, a tithe is just paying God back. You can't claim that back as a seed and ask for a harvest. All you're saying is that, Lord, I have brought my full tithe. I've given you back what is yours. I've proven myself faithful. But when you bring the full tithe and offering with it, a gift unto the Lord, whether it's to a church and it's building fund like we're doing now or to the missions as we've always done, what you can say to the Lord is, God, I've honored you with my wealth. I've given you my tithe and this offering is a seed. I pray for you to open the windows. Matter of fact, throw open the windows of heaven and then break down the floodgates and let them come so that I don't have enough room to receive. Amen. So honor the Lord with your wealth, your first fruits. Lesson number 10, blessing barns will be overfilled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Prosperity come or general. Uh, let me say it this way. Let me say, help me Lord to say this. Abundance comes to those who give in abundance. The Bible says if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Did the Bible say that or did Joe say that? The Bible said that. So if I want to reap an abundant harvest, what do I need to do, y'all? Sow an abundant seed. So that's the biblical principle is that if I honor the Lord and sow generously, I will reap generously. Barns and vats talking about their agriculture, the substance of their living Halfway there. You all ready? I may not make it to 1230, so some of y'all might have been prophetic on that. I'm doing my best. I feel like I'm at the Indy 500. Vroom, vroom, right now. Just pray for me, Lord. I don't know why I, on days like today when I could just preach to you two verses, God gives me 20. Amen. Fought, fought a cold from yesterday. Had so much to do this weekend. And God says, preach to him 20 verses on wealth and success. So don't be an airhead today. Don't let this pass through your brain. Put it in your heart and mind today. Amen. Don't just say he's babbling to me. I am not babbling. I'm 
breaking down so much scripture. If you've probably written down scriptural references that I've been given to you already, you'd already have about 20 to 30 right now of scriptural references I've given to you. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Number 11, to success and wealth, you need to let God teach you what is wrong. Let God tell you on your path of success what is wrong. Sometimes he might say you're loving success too much. You made it an idol. You're loving money. Get it out your heart. You can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. Hate one or love the other. Whatever God wants to rebuke you with, listen. Don't despise it. And don't get upset when God's vessels discipline you on his behalf. Because we're here to promote the word of God. And if you're going to be a faithful minister, you need to rebuke people on God's behalf as well. Amen? Lesson 11, let the Lord rebuke you and don't despise it. Verse number 12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son, he delights. Being disciplined shows love. If you love your children, you discipline them. If I had a child coming in here swearing and cussing, having dirt all up in their fingernails, boogers hanging down from their face, and I said, aren't I a great father? You would say, no, you're not. You haven't disciplined and trained your child. But if my child comes in here wearing clothes at her knee, knows that it's clean, and says, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and God bless you, and Jesus, when she raised her hands, you say, that's an awesome child. See, when we are disciplined, we honor God, and discipline is God's way of loving us. That's not the only way he loves us. He does give us lollipops and walks in the park and takes us to great America. He gives us fun and adventure and joy in life. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That means there are more pleasures in God's right hand than you could find in this entire planet. Amen. The pleasures he'll give you will make sex, money, drugs, uh, six flags look like you're getting a shot at the doctor's office. Are you listening to me? Because he knows how to pleasure his people there is the fullness of joy at his right hand and pleasures forevermore in his presence thank you lord so discipline is the way that he loves us lesson number 13 blessed is the man who finds wisdom the man who gains understanding you see now you get the point that it's all about wisdom wisdom and understanding basically knowledge is knowing something wisdom and understanding is knowing what to do with that something are you guys with me two plus two equals four is knowledge putting two cars on a car lot and another two cars and selling them and making all you know a ton of money is using mathematics to work for you one is just knowledge another one is using knowledge and a wise way to make money mathematics works in business when money starts working for you are you listening to me just saying two plus two equals four doesn't mean anything but if i say i sell this car i make forty thousand dollars now that means something it's how you use math i could say to you right now india has uh you know jungles india has uh, this type of people i could give you the knowledge of india the wisdom is how i go there when souls plant 60 churches in the southern part 30 in the north and have about 100 right now that takes wisdom so you need to love wisdom more than just knowledge wisdom is how to use knowledge are you listening to me Verse number 14, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. And it's the same thing in verse 15. So verse 14 and 15 are the same lesson. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Why is wisdom and understanding worth more than anything? Because you can take away something, but you can't take away wisdom. 
If I have gold, you could take it away. But guess what? If I'm wise, I'll get it back. You could take away rubies. But guess what? If I'm wise, I can get it back. You can take members out my church. But if I'm wise, I'll win ten more in their place. You can take away a Bible college. But I'll find another one. You can take away a whole bunch of stuff made of silver, gold, and all types of brick. But if you're wise, you'll get it all back in Jesus' name. That's why they say most entrepreneurs, they face bankruptcy many times before they make it a billionaire. Why? Because they got it down in their heart. You you can keep taking it away. They can fail at ideas, but they're going to keep getting up and doing it again. Amen? Praise God. Verse 16 gives you lesson 15. Long life is in her hands. In her left hand are riches and honor. So what do they then yield for you? What does wisdom give you? Wisdom gives you riches and honor. Wisdom is worth more than rubies, silvers, and gold. It's lesson 15. Uh, lesson 14 is wisdom is worth more than rubies, silvers, and gold. But lesson 15 says wisdom will give you riches with uh, silver and gold. Are you listening? Did you just get that? If you have wisdom, you'll have riches. And then what's the next thing? Honor. You just don't want money and have a bad reputation. You don't just want to have a house and have your children living like the devil. You want to have the riches of God, and you want to have the honor that comes with it, that people honor you, your neighbors honor you, your neighbors love you and respect you. In Jesus' name, I speak that over my own neighbors in Jesus' name. And people around you look up to you because you are honorable. Lessons. 16 and verse 17 her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peace wisdom leads you to peace wisdom leads you to pleasant ways when your marriage is right there is peace in the home wisdom will guide you to pleasant ways with your children wisdom will guide you into peace with your jobs and your employers, wisdom will lead you in pleasant ways. How many want to say, I'm walking on a peaceful path? I'm living in a pleasant way right now. My life is so pleasantful. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could say that? My marriage, my home is peaceful. My life is full of pleasant ways. Wisdom will give you paths of pleasant of pleasant ways and paths of peace. Lesson 17 and verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. So the Bible says wisdom keeps begetting wisdom. She's a tree of life. When you think of a tree producing fruit, my brother, doesn't it keep producing fruit from the seed that it has? So wisdom begets wisdom. Stupid is as stupid does. If you are stupid, you'll stay stupid and keep doing stupid things. If you are wise, you'll become more wise. You'll gain more wisdom and keep doing wise things that produce more wisdom. So you have to decide today to make wisdom a tree of life. Wisdom, the lesson, lesson here is wisdom multiplies. Wisdom multiplies. You have to have wisdom that multiplies. Deanna, give me lesson number 12 to, to review it right now. She hasn't wrote them down. See, she's not getting wisdom from the tree of life. I looked at you without your notes. You should be ashamed of yourself. You paid to be a part of this college. So right now, stupid is as stupid does. So you can't remember all of these things. You should have wrote them down so that wisdom begets wisdom. Wisdom is on your paper right now. Then when you go back home and study it, it's a tree of life. It will keep feeding you. That's how you have to look at wealth and success because it's not an accident, girl. Accidents happen to bad, bad things we call accidents. 
Oh, man, that was an accident, man. I wrecked into a car. That's all that you'll have to you. If you expect nothing, you'll get just what you expected. Nothing. You need to make purpose to have a blessed life. Write down wisdom, retain it, and let it be a tree of life to you. These lessons will feed you until the day you go to heaven. And the first thing I told you was don't forget what God teaches you. So that was the lesson for Deanna. Somebody say, teacher, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse, uh, lesson 18 and verse 19. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. What you have to understand is that this whole entire world was developed by God and his wisdom. So that means God controls everything. That means God's in control. Lesson number uh, 19 or 18 right here. Uh, lesson 18 is God is in control. So if he could say, let there be light, and he called it out of darkness, that means he can say, let there be $20,000 given to you to go to Honduras. That means God can say, let there be a raise. That means God can say, let new skill and new ability come to you on the drums. That means God can say to you, here's a blessed child and more children and more family. God controls it all right now. So all you have to do is do what he says, and you get what he said you can have. God's in control. And by his knowledge, the deep were divided and the clouds dropped their dew. So he knew how to do everything and the wisdom to accomplish it. The last lesson, uh, verse, uh, lesson 19 and verse 20, is by God's knowledge, he divides and separates things. By the knowledge of God, he'll tell you what's right and wrong. He'll tell you what two plus two is. He'll tell you that it's not, it's not a five. Two plus two is four. He divides like the sea from the land, uh, the sky from the ground. He divides things in life by his knowledge. God knows what you're supposed to have and what you're not supposed to have. God will tell you what you're supposed to have and what you're not supposed to have. It's all about God. He divides. Somebody say he divides. God will tell you who your spouse is supposed to be. God will tell you what your ministry was supposed to be. He'll close doors that you can't open. He'll open doors nobody can close because it's all by his knowledge. It's all by what he knows and what he wants. Those are the lessons given to you today for wealth and success in life and in ministry. Failure is not an option. Listen to me. You may fall seven times. That is not what I call failure. Mistakes will happen. I'm saying failure is when it never works and it stops and you have to say, I give up. That will not happen. When I closed the doors and merged the church of Metro Praise into New Orleans, I thought that failure existed in God's kingdom. I thought that I had failed. Even through my time at Belmont, I thought I had to go back and restart that church again. Then when we started our church here, guess what we called it? Metro Praise. Guess where our 501c3 came from? The Louisiana office. And then sitting and talking to my wife, she said, everything you did there made this possible because I'm reaping what you sowed there. I'm not having to go through what you went through. I didn't have a vision when I started that first church. I tried all types of people's works, you know, the Purpose Driven Life, G12, Cell Ministry, different ways. But here she never experienced lack of vision where the people perish. I, I went right for inner city ministry and was broke, busted, and disgusted just like 
like they were. And here we started off with working people, and then when we could afford it, we had a youth ministry. When we could afford it, we went to the hood. And we were always sowing seed in missions, but it was somebody else's missionary we were supporting until we had had our own missionaries that we could support. Are you listening to me? And then she said, it wasn't a failure. It wasn't even a mistake. It was just a place to bring you from A to B. So everything that you're thinking right now could be a failure or a mistake. I'm talking about things that are not sin, are not failures or mistakes. They're just things that are getting you to where you need to be. Just like Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail a thousand times at the light bulb. The light bulb was just a thousand step process. That's how you have to look at wealth and success is that what you're moving, what, what you come to, you're going to move through. Hallelujah. What you're going to come to, you're going to move through. We don't stay in the valley. We move through the valley. So everything in life is working together for your good because you are called according to his purpose. God wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. God wants your ministry to be blessed more than you want it to be blessed. God wants to give you all the good things that we call wealth more than you want to have them. He is a good father. He said if we know how to give uh, uh, bread and, and food to our children, how much more does he know how to give us the Holy Ghost, which in turn gives us all the things that we need. He says look at the lilies of the field. They don't spin and have a have a, a, a fashion design thing going on, but I clothe them and they're more beautiful than Solomon. He said look at the birds of the air. They don't have to have an economic meeting to figure out where they're going to eat. He said he feeds them and aren't you more valuable than these. He said in Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things what you eat and what you drink and what you live in will be added unto you. Stand up to your feet as uh, Lauren comes to the keyboard. Amen. Wealth and success come from God. You need to decide right now, God wants me to have wealth. Say this with me, God wants me to have wealth. Say, God wants me to have riches and honor. God wants me to have a good name. God wants me to have favor with God and man. God wants my barns to overflow. God wants me to have more than enough. Come on, you got to believe that. You got to believe that. Come on, now say, God wants me to succeed. God wants my ministries to succeed. God wants my marriage to succeed. My, uh, God wants my family to prosper. God wants my health to be successful. He wants me to stay healthy. God wants me to be successful in the community. Come on, you got to believe that He wants that for you today. I just speak over you today right now, a loosing and a breaking of any generational curse that would have you think to yourself right now that wealth or success is not for me because if I had time... I would say some of the greatest hindrances, one of them, is because mama didn't have it, I can't have it. I break that that curse right now. Just because your parents got a divorce doesn't mean you're going to get a divorce. Just because you grew up a latchkey kid does not mean your kids are going to grow up that way. Fear is the opposite of faith. Come on, get faith in your heart. God has the best for you. Matter of fact, I'm going to break some of the hindrances that I would have talked about if I had time. Another thing is a religious spirit. Like I said, that airhead spirit that you really don't know anything, but you pretend like you do. Listen to me. Do not think that being sick 
and poor glorifies God. He died on the cross so He could give you health and wealth. That comes from God. Yes, He is with the sick. Yes, He is with the poor. He loves the poor. But His plan is that they are poor no more. God does not want you to be poor and sick and then say, this is my suffering for God. He took on His body your sickness. So when you and I face sickness, can we get some faith to be healed? In the same way He heals us, He prospers us. He prospers us. SUM Bible College is a multi-million dollar facility. We couldn't even do this without millions of dollars. Have accreditation. Have webcasting. Wealth is not how the world defines it. Wealth is having more than enough for you and to help others. So get a religious mindset of poverty out of your mind that God does want you to be healthy and wealthy. Another hindrance right now is that God, I feel in my spirit right now, that some of you don't have direction and you're aimless. I rebuke that aimless spirit right now because you cannot receive what you do not ask for. You cannot find what you do not seek. Some of you need to get very serious about your purpose in ministry. What am I called to do? And then when He gives it to you, you need to believe it until the day you meet Him in heaven. Because the most unsuccessful thing is somebody without a purpose. We break that right now. Those three things, those are the three main things. Generational curses, lack of belief that it's for you, and not having purpose. Let's pray for these next few moments. Come on. We just pray that wisdom will come. The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask the Father who gives generously. Come on, if you're going through a time right now that you're not in a pleasant place, you need the presence of God to meet you right now so that pleasure is forevermore. Even Jesus, when He faced the cross, said He did it for the joy set before Him. Come on, Jesus didn't complain. Jesus didn't have a quitting spirit. If you have a quitting spirit right now, ask the Lord to encourage you. Come on, if the Lord is rebuking some of you, if He's correcting some of your sin, you need to repent of it right now. That's an obvious one, but that will keep you from being blessed. Sin. Come on, get rid of sin right now. If you're struggling with pornography, sex with yourself, sex with others, sexual impurity with others, a bad temper, jealousy or envy, bitterness, unforgiveness. Come on, get the sin out today. Get the sin out today. Oh, Jesus, purify us. We accept the Lord's discipline. We accept His discipline. If you haven't been a faithful tither, you need to bring your back tithe into the house of the Lord. I didn't believe that people had to bring their back tithe until I heard a preacher preach on it. And then I studied it in the Scripture. And I do believe that, that when you steal from God, you need to bring it all back to get right with Him. I really believe that, that you need to become generous back with the Lord. If you haven't been faithful in your tithes, you need to get right with God. You need to give back what you 
have stolen from God. The Bible says you need to give it back. Jesus. Come on, and I just pray a special blessing over every person right now that just believes that this season is their new season. I just believe with you today. It's a new season of marriages. It's a new season where our, you know, how many marriages do we have? Our new families, new homes. You can do birth control all that you want, but I'm telling you, it's a new season for families. Children are going to come eventually, whether by accident or on purpose. So I pray blessing, blessing, fruitful, multiply. Hallelujah. I pray blessing over every person that wants to grow the youth group, grow a small group, grow an evangelism ministry, grow an adopt-a-block, grow the worship ministry. I just speak that blessing to you. This is your year. Nothing can stop it. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. Even mistakes work for your good. If you repent, even mistakes work for your good.